Peace, peace. We are back once again with another episode of Masterminds with Brother Shemel. I am your host, Brother Shemel, and we are in part five of our series on Kabbalah, um, basically dealing with uh, Elohim, the fall of man, and the Kabbalah. And so, before I get into it, I just want to say uh, thank you again, all of those who supported me uh, throughout this year, up until this time. And don't forget, for those who are not aware, um, the website is up and running, uh, www.sheml.com, that's S-H-E-M hyphen E-L dot com Shem hyphen L dot com Be sure to get on that website Check me out um, You can actually listen to the podcast from there If you'd like Also have products um, Videos And a host of also blogs We also have our community That you can join Where we'll allow people to um, Share just like a Facebook post uh, Facebook group similar to that but um, it's totally private uh, where we can open and communicate, share our thoughts on our journey so be sure to check that out so without further ado I'm going to get into the topic this is again part 5 and this is dealing with action the world of action which is known as ASEA um, A-S-S- I-A-H and this is the final of the four worlds uh, remember we spoke on uh, Atziluth the first one Beria uh, Gizira and this is Asia which is um, literally means action okay um so, of course, all of the worlds are uh, are based on a passage in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 7, which you can um, look up. We spoke about that earlier in the previous um, episode. And I want to get into the essence of the word Asiya, um, how it relates to another word that is spoken about um, often in the Moorish movement and Moorish science um, known as Asia and some other things. So um, basically this world of action represents purely material existence. Uh, Of course, it's likened to what we call in Moorish science, the plane of things made manifest. So what I always like to do is start off with um, reading a section of the circle seven and I will do that of course going back to chapter one the creation and fall of man and I will start where it speaks on the soul attributes and it says as such and these soul attributes became a body beautiful a multitude of lessons man must learn upon the plane of soul and here he tarries many ages until his lessons are learned upon the boundary of the plane of soul the ether began to vibrate slower still and then the essences 
took on a final guard. The perfumes and odors and the true sensations and the all of love were clothed in flesh. And man was clothed in flesh. Perfected man must pass through all the ways of life. And so a carnal was full manifest, a nature that sprang forth from fleshly things. Without a foe, a soldier never knows his strength. And thought must be developed by the exercise of strength. And so this carnal nature soon became a foe that man must fight, that he might be the strength of Allah made manifest. Let every living thing stand still and hear. Man is the Lord of all the plane of manifest, of protoplast, of mineral, of plant, of beast, but he gave up his birthrights just to gratify his lower self. But man will regain his lost estate, his heritage, but he must do it in a conflict that cannot be told in words. Yea, he must suffer trials and tribulations manifold. But let him know that the cherubim and seraphim that rule the stations of the sun and spirit of the mighty Allah who rule the solar stars are his protectors and will and his guide and they will lead to victory. Man will be fully saved, redeemed, perfected by the things he suffers on the plane of flesh and on the plane of soul. When man has conquered carnal things, his garb of flesh will then have served its purpose well and it will fall, will be no more. Then he will stand untrammeled on the plane of soul where he must full complete his victories. Unnumbered foes will stand before man upon the plane of soul. These he must overcome, yea, overcome them every one. Thus hope will ever be his beacon light. There is no failure for the human soul, for Allah is leading on and victory is sure. So I just want to stop there. So to give that context, it basically speaks of the mission of man being on the plane of manifest. What is your purpose? Um, when it speaks about perfected man must pass through all the ways of life. So we have to go through these things and then also understanding of who we truly are being the Lord of the plane of manifest and how we gave that birthright up to gratify our lower selves and how we have to regain it in a conflict that cannot be told in words. That is the journey of man. So understanding that we have to get into um, what the word Asiya means and where, where it's rooted in. So some things I want to get into real quick and just touch on before we get into the etymology of that word. Um, as I mentioned in previous episodes, each one of the worlds corresponds with various things. Um, it corresponds with the Tetragrammaton, four worlds, four letters, right? The Yad He Wahe. So in this case, the Asiya would correspond with the final He in that Tetragrammaton. Okay. And also, the world of action or Asiya corresponds with the Sephira of Malkuth. 
right? Which is the which is the tenth sephirah, the bottom sephirah, the foundation on that Kabbalistic tree of life. Okay, so that's to be understood in that context. Also, it corresponds with the element of earth. So earthbound, the foundation. Okay, this is going to be key when I get into the aspect of um, uh, the book of Genesis in a moment. Um, Also, it corresponds with something known as Shekinah. Now, Shekinah um, is a word that is used commonly um, in the Christian church. Um, So you hear terms about Shekinah glory. Um, But the interesting thing is that this term Shekinah is not mentioned in the Bible. It It doesn't occur once in the Bible. You will not find that word Shekinah. So that Shekinah actually is a mystical term. Okay. It comes from a Semitic root, which means to settle or inhabit. But it actually deals with a, a divine presence connected to the Almighty. Okay. It has very mystical um, terms and reference of that. Okay. So we'll probably do a whole uh, a whole episode on Shekinah. It's also dealing with the feminine principle as well. Okay, because Shekinah is actually a feminine word. Okay, so but getting back to Asiya, that actually ties in to the etymology, or I should say going into the Hebrew language, you will find that it goes back to the book of Genesis. It's tied into the root word of Asa. In the word Asa, uh, which is actually three Hebrew letters, Ain, Shin, Sin, and He, Ain, Sin, and He, right, is number 6213, 6213, in strong concordance and you'll find that it means many things in it but I'll read some of it here it means to do or make in the broadest sense right to appoint to advance to be at to bear bring forth be busy that's action to be busy right to finish to complete, to govern, to grant, keep labor, that's work, action, activity, to spend. So there's a lot of different um, ways that that word asa is used, right? Which is the root of the word asia, which is um, means action. So one of the things where you find it's actually all in the first chapter of Genesis. And it starts first off uh, when you go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 7. Okay? So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 7, it speaks about 
um, making the firmament, firmament, where Elohim made the firmament, or some would say the expanse. Okay, the word is used there first. That's the first time you see Asa used in terms of making. Then it's used in Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, where it talks about the yielding fruit, right? The trees yielding fruit. So now you get to Asa or Asiya, the world of action being a world of fruition, things coming into fruition. Now, this takes, um, this is very important in the context of manifestation, which we will talk about and how you can use this concept of Asiya, the world of action in your practices on manifesting things, taking things into manifestation. So the most important um, verse where it's used, and there's others verses as well where that term is used, but when it speaks about making man, which is, of course, one of the famous verses, chapter 1, verse 26, where it says, and God said, uh, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, right? Now, of course, there's in the questionnaire, the question is asked, um, can a man be a Negro black and colored? And the answer to that is no. And the follow question is why? And the answer to that is because man is made in the image and after the likeness of God Allah. That comes directly from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Now, the interesting thing is that in the Hebrew, you will literally, if you read the Hebrew, it literally will say, Elohim Naase Adam or Elohim or God gods remember that's plural let us make man Adam let us make Adam now keep in mind as I've always spoken about and this is in my book who is Elohim the question is asked in the questionnaire Morse questionnaire who is Elohim answer Elohim is the seven created spirits that created everything that ever was is and never more to be okay so literally in Hebrew it starts off that verse by saying Wayoma Elohim Naase Adam and said Elohim let us make or let us bring to action Adam Naase let us make or let us bring down to the world of Asiya down to the world or the realm of action because keep in mind what you're speaking about is the first physical man but we know that's the fall of man according to chapter 1 of the circle 7 because spirit man which cannot die is a part is neither body nor soul man himself is not the body nor the soul he is a spirit and a part of Allah so man always you've always existed as a part of the omnipotent but Elohim in this in this verse is making a declaration to bring you down man down into the plane of manifest in in the image and likeness of God a lot in the image and likeness right so 
that's key to understand that. Um, and you definitely have to go into the Hebrew to get that understanding on how that connects. So understanding that will take you into the knowledge of why that is the case. As I just read prior about how man came from the spirit plane to the soul plane, right? And vibrated slower still. And then the essences took on a final garb. The perfumes and the odors and the true sensations and all the love were clothed in flesh. So in that same verse, it's talking about um, let them rule over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air right etc so they become lord of the plane of manifest so your whole purpose in coming down here was to rule but in you satisfying gratifying your lower self you gave up that birthright so now you really don't control anything you're not even in harmony we're not even in harmony with nature nature controls us right we fear diseases we fear attacks from mother nature from animals you hear about the um you know all the natural disasters earthquakes hurricanes tornadoes rust fires etc etc now there will be some who will say okay well that's some harp that's from uh the government and things of that nature but if that's the case or if that's not the case still these are occurrences that happen within the realm of nature that is attacking man man is not in control right and man is in a constant state of fear because they are not in tune with the higher self understanding that to be lord of the plane of manifest you have to be in touch with that higher energy your higher self and those higher energies, those higher cosmic energies, which control the, the higher always controls the lower. That's the law of correspondence as above. So below as within, so without. So that realm of action that we were supposed to have, we are now no longer in that space because it's all about pleasure. It's all about desire it's all about um, gratification of your carnal self, of the flesh, your lust, your greed, um, things of that nature. Um, getting caught up in the illusion, you know, there's a Maya and the Matrix and things of that nature. Um, another thing I want to just um, just point, another side note, is that Asiya is also. Um, associated with the sign of Taurus, which is a fixed earth sign, the sign of the bull, right? And I spoke about um, the sign of Taurus in my book, um, How Many Days Are in the Circle. I spoke on it briefly. I didn't get a lot into the um, astrology aspect of it. I dealt I wanted to focus more on cycle ages, more so, but I did touch on um, a little bit of astrology. I did speak about astrology, and 
I just want to take this time since um, it, we are talking about a seer and it is associated with uh, the sign of Taurus. I want to go into that aspect and I want to read from my book, How Many Days Are in the Circle and basically speak about that. So one of the things in time um, that scientists employed was called a nanosecond, which is one billionth of a second. The prefix nano was introduced in 1947 at the 14th convention of the Union Internationale de Chimie, uh, which is which was a international union in Europe that dealt with the discussion of time and measurements. And they introduced nano as a prefix of for units for a one word originally uh, one for one billion. Uh, so it was a word originally meant little old man from nanos uncle being the masculine form nana form of form of nana aunt we still hear that today some people will call um their elders nana right in fact the name nana is attributed to the ancient sumerian god of the moon whose symbol are the upright crescent and the bull okay bull is the symbol of the zodiac constellation of Taurus now question what is Taurus Taurus which is Latin for the bull and has the bull symbol of that little circle with the what appears to be horns upon that circle representing the bull is one of the constellations of the zodiac which means it is intersected by the plane of the elliptic okay and Taurus is a massive and protuberant constellation in the northern hemisphere's winter sky. It is one of the constellations dating back to at least the early Bronze Age when it depicted the position of the sun throughout the spring equinox. Its significance to the agrarian calendar impacted diverse bull characters in the myths of ancient Sumer, Akkad, Assyria, Babylon, Kemet, Greece, and Rome. And we're going to get into the um, Akkad in a minute, Akkadian culture. Several features exist that are, are of curiosity to astronomers. Okay, so tourists Host two of the closest open clusters to Earth, the Pleiades and the Hyades, both of which noticeable to the eye. At first scale, the red giant Aldebaran is the brightest star in the constellation. In the northwest section of Taurus is the supernova remnant Messier 1, more generally identified as the Crab Nebula one of the nearest areas of dynamic star development, the Taurus Auriga complex crosses into the northern section of the constellation. The mutable star Titori is the archetype of a category of pre-main sequence stars. Okay? So that's important to know. And all stars emit light. 
uh, which travels at a constant rate of time. And we have to understand that. So with Taurus, and that connects with the symbol of the bull, the ruling planet of Taurus is Venus. Um, it rules the second house uh, of a str- in the zodiac. You're talking about um, average of, um, that's the time period of what? April 20th to May 20th. The element is earth. It's a fixed element. Okay. Um, with the key word of possess. And when you deal with Taurus people, um, and the Taurus people, they usually are described as people who revel in the pleasures of life. They crave security and comfort of relaxing and warmth. Um, they value the senses and the enjoyment of material things. They are willful and sometimes can be stubborn. Okay. But um, there's a large capacity for kindness and they are usually devoted and loyal people. Okay, so that's dealing with the sign of Taurus. And I just wanted to touch on that. Uh, Again, I don't get into the aspects of astrology as much as others. So I don't claim that to be my focus, but I want to put that in context. Context with the world of action, which is the world of Asiya. Okay, because now that you understand that and remember you have the Taurian age and that Taurian age um, in the Bible is represented with the story of Moses, the golden calf, right? And also which ties into the second um, surah of the Quran of Mecca, right? Which is, happens to be um, Surat al-Bakriya or the surah or the chapter of the cow, the degree of the cow, the calf, the heifer, right? So all of these are important. Make no mistake about it when you're dealing with that. Um, later on, I'm going to get into more of the manifestation aspects of the world of action, how it comes into play, and um, some practical uh, realities pertaining to that which is important to realize as well. So, um, so you're really dealing with, um, the system of mundane creation, right? So when you're dealing with action, just, just taking all that into account, right? When you get into that last world, these are things where there has to be activity, right? It's, um, this is things where uh, it is um, ruled by this world is actually ruled by a group of angels known as the um, Ophenum, right? Which is refers to the wheels seen in Ezekiel's vision on the chariot. So if you go to Ezekiel um, chapter 1, verses 15 to 21, um, it will speak on those those beings, the wheels. And again, the wheels are the circles, right? Um, the circles. How many days are in the circle? Seven days. That's again, go back to the book and go back into the um, the lessons of that, um, keeping in that. But these, these beings are the ophanim, uh, which I'll get into a little later. 
they actually promote the context of human beings um, praying, right? Supporting human endeavor, combating evil. Again, that conflict that cannot be told in words. Okay, so so now you have humanity being in a place where they feel the need to pray, send their prayers up. Okay, even when you deal in the beginning of Genesis, Adam, when Adam was created, he didn't pray. It wasn't until the creation of Seth. When you get into the creation of Seth, and I believe that's in Genesis chapter 4, verse 25, where it says, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son. Oh, Enos, I'm sorry. That's 26. I'll go to 26. And Seth, and to Seth, to him, also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. It wasn't until the birth of Enos. Enos, right, um, deals with the human being, the Enosites, which are the forgetful ones. They forgot how to have direct contact with the Most High. So that's where prayer began. Enos. Enosites. So we'll get into more in our next half. Now, I just mentioned that when you get into Genesis chapter 4, verse 26, you get to the birth of one known as Enos. And it says, And to Seth, to him, also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, Enos himself means man. It also is another name for man. But wait a minute. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, we also have a name for man. And that Hebrew name is Adam. So what's the difference? To put it simply, Adam at that point in time is still in direct communication with the most high they're talking directly that is the that is another stage of man where he's at by the time you get to enos you now get to a man that is no longer in direct connection that's why it says then began men to call upon the name of the lord now prayer has to begin and here's another curious thing about this. Enos or Enosh in Hebrew, which means man, is a mortal man. Not just a man, but also denotes a mortal man. But here's the context, right? I just talked about the prayer. It wasn't that mortal as in into the sense that he can't live forever because this Adam character of Adam in the Bible also didn't live forever as well. Now here's the difference. In Arabic, 
you have another term that's used for man or human or person, which is insan, which is directly related to the word enos, enos insan, right? They are cognates of each other, Hebrew and Arabic, and they both deal with the same root. The word insan in Arabic comes from a root word nasia, which means to forget. So the root word of insan in Arabic is nasia, which means to forget. So this mortal being is a forgetful being. Remember, I mentioned in chapter one of the circle seven that man gave up his birthright just to gratify his lowest self. And if you talk to the average person today, they don't know that they're supposed to be Lord of the plane of manifest. They don't know their potentialities, um, their potentials. They don't know of their capabilities on a cosmic level, what they're really capable of doing. So much so that if you try to speak to them, they'll say that you're crazy. Okay? They're forgetful. They forgot their rightful place. Also, what's interesting is that in the book of Genesis, just a couple of verses down from Genesis chapter 4 verse 26, you get to Genesis chapter 5 verse 2, which I always speak about in terms of Adam being the name of a group of people. It says there specifically in verse chapter 5 verse 2, male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. So we already know just by reading that, you know that Adam is denoting a group of people. But what's even more important is that the Hebrew word for Adam is, uh, not Adam, I'm sorry, for male is Zakar. It actually says Zakar wa Nekeba, right? Nekeba is for female, translated into female. Zakar is translated into male. Now, in the strong concordance, you will find that Zakar in this context is is number 2145 okay zakar right is male denotes the male okay and we're going to get into gender as well the um the law the principle of gender in the teachings of the kabbalion so this is important now you go back a few numbers to number 2142, okay, which is in the strong concordance, the Hebrew lexicon, Zakar, which has the same three letters, Zain, Kaf, and Resh. They both have the same three letters, but they use in different um, contexts. It means, Zakar there means to remember, to recall, right? To bring back to memory, to record, to recount. So, male, the male of the male and female that was created and called Adam in the day that they were created, when it speaks about it in Genesis 5, because it's recalling, it's recapping the book of the generations of Adam. They're called Adam. 
in the day that they were created. But by the time you get to Enos, who was also man, he is mortal, and the root of that word is rooted in forgetfulness. So you forgot how to communicate directly with the divine by the time you get to Enos, the Enosites. So this is all the the deeper meanings of these scriptures that you won't normally hear. Now, so that gets into the aspect of gender, which is very important that I want to talk about. Because when you get into the world of action, the world of Asiya, right? You also want to know about gender because gender deals with activity. And I'm going to express to you how that is the case. It's very important um, that we speak on this. So again, I'm going to um, read uh, in reference to the Kabbalion, uh, which I also have this in my book, uh, How Many Days in the Circle, okay? Um, it's very important. So, the gender is actually the seventh principle mentioned in the Kabbalion. Uh, also, another side note, in Gematria, um, Zayin, which is the first uh, letter in Zakar, is number seven. So all this um, is, it has significance, it corresponds. So I'm going to read the excerpt from a chapter in the Kabbalion entitled Gender, which is the seventh principle. Gender is in everything. Everything has its masculine and feminine principles. Gender manifests on planes. The great seven hermetic principle, the principle of gender, embodies the truth that there is gender manifested in everything, that the masculine and feminine principles are ever-present and active in all phases of phenomenon on each and every plane of life. At this point, we think it well to call your attention to the fact that gender, in its hermetic sense, and sex in the ordinarily accepted use of the term are not the same. The word gender is derived from the Latin root meaning to beget, to procreate, to generate, to create, to produce. A moment's consideration will show you that the word has a much broader and more general meaning than the term sex. The latter referring to the physical distinctions between male and female living things. Sex is merely a manifestation of gender on a certain plane of the great physical plane, the plane of organic life. We wish to impress this distinction upon your minds for the reason that certain writers who have acquired a smattering of the hermetic philosophy have sought to identify this seventh hermetic principle with wild and fanciful and often reprehensible right theories 
and teachings regarding sex. The office agenda is solely that of creating, producing, generating, etc., and its manifestations are visible on every plane of phenomena. It is somewhat difficult to produce proofs of this along scientific lines for the reason that science has not as yet recognized this principle as of universal application. But still some proofs are forthcoming from scientific sources. In the first place, we find a distinction manifest- a distinct manifestation of the principle of gender among the corpuscles, ions, or electrons which constitute the basis of matter as science knows the latter and which by forming certain combinations from the, form the atom which until lately was regarded as final and indivisible the latest word of science is that the atom is composed of a multitude of corpuscles electrons or ions the various names being applied by different authorities revolving around each other and vibrating at a high degree and intensity but the accompanying statement is made that the formation of the atom is really due to the clustering of negative corpuscles around a positive one. The positive corpuscles seeming to exert a certain influence upon the negative corpuscles, causing the latter to assume certain combinations and thus create or generate an atom. This is in line with the most ancient Hermetic teachings which have always identified masculine principle of gender and feminine poles electricity. Now, a word at this point regarding this information. The public mind has formed an entirely erroneous impression regarding the qualities of the so-called negative pole of electrified or magnetized matter, the positive and negative are views wrongly applied or very wrongly applied to this phenomenon by science. The word positive means something real and strong as compared with a negative unreality or weakness. Nothing is further from the real facts of electrical phenomena. The so-called negative pole of the battery is really the pole in and by which the generation or production of new forms and energies are manifested. There is nothing negative, quote-unquote, about it. The best scientific authorities now use the word cathode in place of negative. The word cathode coming from the Greek word root, meaning descent, the path of generation, etc. From the cathode, from the cathode pole emerge the swarm of electrons or corpuscles. From the same pole emerge those wonderful rays which have revolutionized scientific conceptions during the past decade. The cathode pole is the mother of all of the strange phenomena which have rendered useless the old textbooks and which have caused many long accepted theories to be relegated to the scrap pile of scientific speculation. 
Okay, so the cathode or negative pole is the mother principle of electrical phenomena and of the finest forms of matter as yet known to science. So you see, we are justified in refusing the term negative in our consideration of the subject and in insisting upon substituting the word feminine for the old term. The facts of the case bear us out in this without taking the hermetic teachings into consideration. And so we shall use the word feminine in place of negative in speaking of that pole of activity. Okay. Now I can go further and further on. So, but the point that I want to um, go into here is specifying that gender deals with activity. So that brings a whole new meaning when you get into that word Asiya, right? In the book of Genesis. Because when you deal with the book of Genesis, keep this in mind, you are now dealing with the aspect of what we have with um, with the actual um, action of you know male and female and even the word asa is used in Genesis chapter 5 verse 1 okay so w- when you get into that actually there it will say in the Hebrew aspect um you know this is the book of the genealogy of Adam in the day um that created man um in the likeness of God he made him right when it says and in the likeness of God he made him that he made is Asa right so you want to keep that clear you know in the likeness of God made he him I should say in the likeness of God made he him so that made he him that made is Asa so again we're going back that takes you back to Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 so what is then it goes on in the next verse to explain the making the making is the male and female gender gender the principle of gender the seventh hermetic principle the realm of activity the masculine and the feminine the yin and the yang right not one being better than the other but simply the context of understanding how things work the duality going from the one into the two and then really which brings in the three man woman child knowledge wisdom understanding right wisdom will love etc etc and this is important these are definitely uh, important things to understand in the context of what we speak about with um, the realm of action now there is this also deals with manifestation I want to put this in context with manifestation okay because this will actually help you with the application of this right 
there's a verse in the Bible that says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. That's the Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, right? Again, action, right? So you understand that um, looking at work, that action as an external expression of the internal desires, right? So action, activity, getting from the realm of creation of thought and the formation into the soul, which gets into the feeling, the emotion, taking it from emotion, energy and motion into which is the potential energy into the kinetic energy that act that energy into manifestation right uh we have to understand that this is where the act or the 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 process of how manifestation works so you do have to visualize you do have to see things as a reality and live in the end so as somebody would speak speaking into existence but and have the feeling right in the feeling but from the feeling there has to be some steps of action you can't just sit um in a recluded place and then whatever you want will just come to you there has to be some action and form because we're living in the realm of action now this deals with energy Okay, so the dictionary describes energy as the power by which anything acts effectively to move or change things or accomplish any result. Right. What's the power in active exercise? Now, we we speak in more science that power is a an illusion. It's a manifest of force, which it is. Right. And I'm going to read that to give context but this power is it's necessary just like the body is an illusion itself but it is necessary on the plane of manifest okay so I want to read that so and that's chapter 7 okay starting with verse 13 man is the breath made flesh so truth and falsehood are conjoined in him and then they arrive and naught goes down and man as truth abides again Lamas asks what do you say of power and Jesus said it is a manifest is the result of force it is but naught it is illusion nothing more force changes not but power changes as the ethers change force is the will of Allah and is omnipotent and power is that will in manifest directed by the breath there's a power in the winds a power in the waves a power in the lightning stroke a power in the human arm a power in the eye the ethers cause these powers to be in thought of elohim of angel man and other thinking things direct the force when it has done its work the power is no more the work is the action so the power has to function in action but once it is done it is no more just like in chapter one once the body has served its purpose of you conquering your foes then it is no more so a problem with us 
problem with human beings is that we 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 tend to be emotional stay emotional um and this is not a slight at any gender but we commonly refer to the female gender as being more emotional than men even though men are emotional as well now its function is that women are more in tune with their feelings they have they're more linked with intuition which actually takes them closer to the soul plane and more to level up to spirituality however in terms of manifesting things um the man is always looked as the go getter you know that traditionally he was the breadwinner and things the hunter etc throughout history etc he was the person always action always active out getting it the woman in history i'm not saying now but um was always viewed as the person who stayed home and maintained the home right why am i saying this am i saying this to bring any archaic views on society no i'm saying it on a metaphysical level that the internal is the soul right even in and that's feminine even in the circle 7 where it speaks about the soul it speaks about the soul as a she okay that's the gender okay principle of gender and the male is active so by the time you get into the plane of action this physical plane it's all about work work by the spread of sweat of your brow etc etc so what happens is because we forgot how to communicate directly with the divine we we digress not only to adam but from adam to enos right now we respond or i should say we don't even respond we react okay um as one um as one um rosicrucian master stated and i'm paraphrasing when i say this there's uh a difference between um an emotionally motivated thought and a thoughtfully motivated emotion so that deals with the focus it's like people are re- reacting without thinking okay it's based on how you feel if you feel a certain way that's why people get real irritable real angry they just do things that that has no you'd be like why would they do that they operating off of emotion they don't know how to control the emotion through conscious thought and you have that energy right you have that energy in the play and they don't know how to channel the energy okay so now when you deal with that you understand what you're dealing with in manifestation so now the the object is to control the emotions that's your greatest block on a lot of things in spirituality is being overly emotional and you um you become overly emotional by becoming overly physical gratifying the lower self you're attached to things of the carnal okay when you get into your spiritual practice you control your emotions 
So this is very key to know the difference. To manifest things, you have to be in control in your emotions because your emotions will sway you back and forth. Okay? And be able to remove yourself from the emotion mentally so that you can operate in force and not in power. Okay? Now that sounds... That may sound kind of complex, but it's truly what needs to be done in the context. Because now we're in a state where we're no longer consciously at will communicating with our divine self, with our higher self, with the the God within us, if you will. Okay. We now have we now been conditioned to pray to someone or something or someone's or some things outside of you which is cutting you off so in the realm of action we have to get to that also I want to get into um, before I forget I said I was going to get into that um, the word Asiya Hebrew word Asiya Hebrew keep that in mind is connected with the word Asia and this is very important because in our circle seven in the back of it in the back cover of the circle seven the last words you will see is the uniting of Asia okay now most people um, view Asia as being a continent right and those of us who are familiar the different countries of Asia China India etc right um, then you have Southeast Asia, um, Malaysia, the different countries, Japan, etc. There is also something to be said about that word. The etymology of the word, though there's de- various theories about the word, comes goes back to an Akkadian word, asu. Asu means to rise, to go out, to rise, like the rising of the sun. Okay, that's still action, activity. Akkadian is a Semitic language, just like Hebrew is a Semitic language. Semitic language, and all those languages, Semitic languages, fall under the Afro-Asiatic family. In the Moorish movement, um, there's also said that at one time the whole planet was Asia, and that Moors are Asiatic meaning we are of the Asiatic race, the original man from Asia. So that means we are the first physical man on this plane of manifest Asiya, which incarnated at, on a the world of Asia. And that's key to make note of. So Asia, Asiya has a direct relationship in that context on a metaphysical level. So this realm of action that we're living on world of Asiya is something to be mindful of to note that when you're conscious in your thought you can bring the thought into emotion with control and then from emotion and focus into a realm of action to manifest things right and what you'll do is that action will create attraction right so that you no longer respond or react but you respond because God is responsible. And with that, I say peace and love.